to a special Harry Potter episode of the Friends Like Films podcast. I'm Britt. And I'm Greg. And this is a podcast for you to hang out with us for a bit while we discuss a movie one or both of us loves. Yeah, in this case, both of us. Yeah, we are um, in the same room today. Yeah. Recording this safely. Um, We both got tested before we hung out, so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to um, reassure everybody listening. Yeah. We're being smart (laughs) about it. No risks. No risks. Um, I need to do a fact check corner <laughs> to start this episode. Yeah. Um, for our One Night in Miami episode, I got two very attractive men confused. I said that Kingsley Benadier, who is in One Night in Miami, is in Bridgerton, and he's not. That's actually um, Reggae John Page, who's in Bridgerton, not Kingsley Benadier. So I got... Two attractive men confused. Yeah. (laughs) Just wanted to clear that up. Thank you to our listener. Yeah, Becca. Yeah, who pointed that out for us. Yeah, hero. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Um, So movie movie news. We have been hanging out this weekend, and we were able to watch a Sundance movie together. Yeah. Yeah, so we were able to watch Passing, which is uh, Rebecca Hall director um it's starring ruth nega and tessa thompson and it's based on a book pretty short book from, uh published in 1929 about uh two african-american women and one of them both of them could pass for white women one right. of them chooses to um do that and and is married to a white man and he doesn't know that she's black um and one of them chooses to live as a black woman and Um, I don't want to say any more than that. Yeah, yeah. The premise is these two have met up later on. They were friends when they were young. They meet up later in life. One of them has been living this, like, secret life as a white woman, not revealing to anyone she knows that she's actually black. And the other one, who's also light-skinned, I guess she had the option of passing. Yeah. She chooses not to. Yeah. Um, And so they meet up, and they have, you know experiences together yeah don't want to say, say more spoilers <laughs> yeah, but it was a good movie i liked it it was good um it reminded me of the book the vanishing half which has been pretty popular this past year um i recommend it if you haven't read the book um yeah some more news that came out um related to our episode which we will get into harry potter um in a few minutes but we just found out that there's a Harry Potter series in development for HBO Max. Right, and that's literally all we know about it. I My first thought was that it was going to be they're redoing the movies, but then I don't know why that would be my first thought because, I don't know, that's just what I assumed. <laughs> I assumed that they're, they weren't going to come up with like an original story, but I guess they're doing that with the Fantastic Beasts movies. Mm-hmm. So they could come up with a different original story. I think I'd prefer that. I absolutely would prefer that. Um, just new new material. Um, outside of Hogwarts entirely. Yeah, I mean, I'm neutral on whether or not Hogwarts is involved, yeah. but the Wizarding World is interesting enough. I'd like to see another story in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what else has been going on this week? Stock The stock market. Yeah, the stock market craziness, <laughs> but as it relates to movies, uh, AMC was one of the stocks that 
was like memed up. Like, like it was, it was like the price just went through the roof, and because people were shorting it, they were betting on AMC to fail, basically. So the internet denied denied that bet. Yeah. And now AMC is flush with cash again. Yeah, which I mean, I love that movie theaters are being saved. Um, would prefer that the. Yeah, well, we'll have to see if yeah. it's actually a long-term saving because right. these companies. There was a reason the stock was going to, everyone thought the stock was going to fall, right? Which is that these companies, like GameStop in particular, was actually a crap company mm-hmm. and still is a crap company, despite how much people want to buy right. the stock. It's still a crap company. AMC is not necessarily a crap company, but because of the pandemic is performing very crappy. Right. So, and that's not changing. No, like, not yet. So, hopefully soon with the vaccine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe this stock thing is enough to, like, tie AMC over until... Until they can get through this pandemic, yeah. so a little a little blessing <laughs> from this whole stock market uh, debacle going on this past week. Um, Christian Bale rumors as well. Yeah, we well we know Christian Bale is going to be the bad guy in the new Thor movie. That's confirmed. Yeah. but there's rumors floating around that there might be like a secret multi-year deal involved, and that he could be the new. Like, big bad for the Marvel Universe. I mean, that would be awesome. I love Christian Bale. He was great as, um, obviously, as Batman, um, who isn't a baddie completely. I mean... No, he plays kind of like a... Like, Batman with kind of a lot of, uh, like, damage, I would say. I mean, Batman in general has a lot of... To even... Yeah. Let's assume Bruce Wayne's a real guy to become Batman. Like, you've got to have something going on in your head. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, um... Very, very excited for that. If that turns out to be true, that he would be the baddie for multiple movies. Yeah, I'm a big Christian Bale fan as well. Yeah, I like. I feel like I have a soft spot for him because when I was a kid, I really loved the movie Newsies, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like a kind of a child star. He was already a teenager, maybe in his twenties, but like he was young Christian Bale. Yep, he was in the not the early '90s adaptation of Little Women. He's Lori. Yeah. And that. Um, and then obviously he grows up to be this incredible actor. American Psycho is one of my favorite roles of Christian Bale. Yeah, he's in a lot of great things. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if he's like true method actor, but I know he for some movies he does uh, yeah. stand character. Yeah. He's not like Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis is the guy that really goes, he like legendarily takes it over the top. <laughs> yeah, which must be a nightmare to work with in some instances. I know. I, like, I always think of, like, his wife, like, he had, she had to live with Abraham Lincoln yeah. for, like, over a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or, like, Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. Like, exactly. Like, he was Bill the Butcher for, like, six months. That's it's scary. I can't think of any pleasant character that Daniel Day-Lewis has played that I would want to be married to and live with (laughs) yeah no Uh, yeah no um another thing i wanted to mention if there's any (laughs) any timothy chalamet timmy stands listening i was excited to see that he is rumored to be in a horror movie i haven't seen uh timothy do any horror yet um he would be teaming up with director luca from call me by your name for um an uh adaption of Bones and All, the book, which is a horror movie, and I was pretty excited about that. Yeah. Sounds like it could be interesting. I'm not generally a horror movie guy. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't strongly dislike horror movies. I just they feel gimmicky to me. Like, I don't know, like like 
being scared is or like in jump scares and things. I know they're not all like that. They're not all like I, that. Yeah, I know, but I don't know. Just something about it just never really did it for me. Some horror movies, especially in the last ten years or so, have got have gotten really smart with their storytelling. Um, yeah, like there's like. there are some that I love. Like I love yeah. this one came out a little while ago, but I love the mist. Yeah, it was like really amazing. I like that ending. Like the twist ending was I thought mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't know something about it. Like, for me, I, I mean, I've said this before on the podcast, but movies are, like, always an escape for yeah, me. And, like, that's fair. I don't want to be stressed out while I'm watching a movie. That's I'd rather like, I'd rather just be chilling. I get that. I totally <laughs> get that. I like the... I, I, it's it's kind of like a cathartic release for me, watching a horror movie. Okay. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the... A movie that I saw that was announced that I'm excited for. I don't know exactly when it's coming out. I think it's in development or like being pre-production or something. But uh, it's called The Formula on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, during the pandemic, I became like a huge fan of Formula One racing. And this is about... Um, it's starring uh, John Boyega and Robert De Niro. And uh, it's about a Formula One driver who gets like recruited somehow to be a getaway driver for a bank heist gang. I don't, I don't I think that's that's all the information there really is about the movie. Yeah. So, I'm excited to see what it is. I'm assuming John Boyega is the driver and not yeah. Rob Zero. <laughs> yeah, That'd be cool, though, if it was the other way around. Yeah, old driver. I mean, there is, yeah. the, the Formula One has an old guy that just came out of retirement. He's not old like Robert De Niro. He's in yeah. his 30s. But, like, yeah. that is an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. far as... Or maybe maybe He might be in his 40s, but, like, late 30s, early 40s. Is but like, that's old for Formula that's One. That's old for Formula One, yeah. Interesting. I mean, that's true of any major sport, I think. Let's talk about Tom Brady. Yeah, he's in his 40s. He's, but he's still... He's going to the Super Bowl this year. No, so. I don't want to talk about Tom Brady. That's fair. We'll move on. And you watched um, News of the World. The yeah, the the Hanks, which I I kept calling it the Hanks Civil War movie. Which turns out it's not actually a Civil War movie. It takes place after the Civil War. Oh, okay. Um, in Texas, and there is a little bit of like you see like the post Civil War attitudes of people. Okay. Where they're like not really over it. Okay, which, does it take place in the South primarily? Yeah, in Texas. Um, okay. It's, I'm not exactly sure what town, but his character's from San Antonio. Mm. And he, he basically is, News of, the, News of the World is a reference to him, like, traveling town to town, like, oh. reading the news, because not everybody can read. So he, like, goes around with newspapers and, like, tells people the news. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, but it's really about, he finds this girl that was... Um, held captive by Native Americans, and he is trying to bring her back to her family. Oh, wow. It's been on a lot of Oscar prediction lists. Yeah, I Can I you really, see it being... Yeah, I think he was really good. The little girl was really good. Yeah. Um, the movie overall was a little slow, but I think that's kind of how, like, Western movies are a little bit, and um, the cinematography was really cool. There was a lot of really great shots of, like, mm. the Texas, like, landscape and, like, them riding in, like, a wagon and horses. And, like, it was cool. Like, very, very good looking. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Definitely worth watching. Like, okay. It was a good movie. Probably check it out. Hmm. Yeah. Especially once the actual Oscar nominations come out, if that's on it. Mm-hmm. I will watch, for sure. Um, I think that wraps up our movie news section. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. What we wanted to talk about. Yeah, I'm sure there's other news. Sorry sorry if we skipped over your favorite news out there, listeners. Yeah. If we did, (laughs) um, let us know if we did. Yeah. Yeah. And leave a comment on our Instagram post or email us and let us know. Um, But I said in the beginning of this episode 
that is the Harry Potter special. Um, and I think we should say why we chose to do a Harry Potter special. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, it's because it's iconic Harry Potter, obviously. Yes. I And I do want to acknowledge that in recent times, unfortunately, J.K. Rowling has come out and said some very problematic things about the trans community. Um, but if if we let creators and artists of some of our favorite things dictate what we consume, I feel like there would be no art left. Yeah, the, if you if you automatically discounted a film or any kind of art because of the people that made it being bad people or saying problematic things, then yeah, a a large amount of Hollywood would be eliminated. Yeah. So you have to be able to separate the, the, the work from the, from the person. And And I I mean, I don't, I don't know specifically what she said because once I found out that she was like not super sensitive, I just kind of like forgot about her. I just pretend she doesn't exist kind of. Right, and I acknowledge that it's it's really hard sometimes to separate the art from the creator in, in instances. I just didn't feel comfortable doing a Harry Potter special without acknowledging that that fact yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, Harry Potter was a big part of both of our childhoods. Yeah, we, you know, people that are our age um, or around our age were really like the perfect... We, we grew up at the perfect time for the Harry Potter books and the movies. Um, that the movies came out and we were the same age as. Right, the first. Much. Yeah, so Harry Potter goes to Hogwarts when he's 11. Yeah, we and were 12. We were 12 when the first movie came out. Um, so, yeah, it was like perfect timing. Like, we very much could relate with Harry Potter, I mean, as in, like, I wish I was a wizard and not a normal kid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um,. I remember when I how I first found out about Harry Potter was in I think fifth grade and I had a classmate who had family in the UK. So they the UK got Harry Potter books first for the US. So her relatives like sent her uh, Philosopher's Stone and she told the class about it. And that's how I first found out about Harry Potter. Yeah, I also found out about it in school, but I think mm-hmm. it was from the school librarian. Like I remember there being a time, I think there was a, I don't know, the librarian was like recommending books for kids to read and like Harry Potter was like rising up the charts at the time. It was like just yeah. becoming popular and she was like trying to push it and uh, I don't know if I read it right away, but I did eventually start reading them. Yeah. it Harry Potter got our generation of kids like into reading again. Yeah. It was a big, it was a big part for sure. Yeah. Well, it was like, it was more like you couldn't be the only kid that had yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. Like, like, it was I, that I, big. Personally, I always like to read anyway, but yeah, the, once everybody was on the Harry Potter train, like, you saw kids that would never pick up a book, like, in line at Barnes & Noble trying to get the next latest Harry Potter. Which is what we had to do back then for any young people listening. You would have to pre-order Harry Potter because you wanted to get it. Right. Amazon didn't exist. Well, yeah. Amazon, it, Amazon started as only books, as a matter Correct. of fact. So it was just a bookseller. So at some point throughout the... Like, when did the last book come out? 2007. Yeah, so Amazon might have been a thing by then. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't I wasn't using Amazon then. No, I still went... I remember going to Barnes & Noble to get the last book. Yep. Uh, going to Borders, 
I remember Borders. Yeah. Yeah. Borders is gone now, right? Borders is gone. Barnes and Noble's still kicking, I think. Oh yeah. I don't know how they're doing, but Yeah, they're still kicking. Um, a stock market opportunity there. <laughs> Reddit, are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> Save Barnes and Noble. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Um, but also support your local bookstores as well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um so yeah, so when we when we started this podcast, this is episode six. So, you know, like a couple months ago, we started this podcast. <laughs> Way back when. Yeah. In 2020. We wanted, we want to cover movies that we love, obviously. And we had, we had to devote an episode or two to Harry Potter. Just, yeah. We knew we were eventually going to do this. Yeah. And uh, we were seeing each other. It was a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. So in the past two days we've watched um this episode will be dedicated to the first four movies so we watched all four movies all four. Yeah. this weekend um so we're not going to get into the difference like what did the movies do and how they're different from the books right yeah we're gonna try and focus mostly on the movies themselves and not because if you if you if we started talking about the differences between the books and the movies we could literally we could do five podcast episodes just on that yeah so. We, we like to keep these rel- these episodes relatively short and sweet. Right. I feel like. So, let's get started. Mm-hmm. So, Sorcerer's Stone, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out in 2001. We had just started middle school. Yep. Wow. Um, and I went to the movies with my mom. My mom took me and my best friend at the time to see this movie. I went... With friends, I think we have this like this really old timey theater in my town. It's like a historical landmark, and like all the middle school kids would sit in the back and get rowdy and like not really pay attention. Nice. And they would like people would yell up at us to shut up. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> you were those kids in the back. Oh, of the it was theater? like the whole like half of the grade was there. This Ugh. was like a thing. And, but the theater is gigantic. Uh, it's actually a really cool theater. Maybe one day if you ever yeah you come back if it's still there. Oh yeah, it's still it's still open. It's, oh, I it's would a landmark. Love to. They can't close it. Oh good. And it's got like a really old timey pipe organ that they play on Saturdays. Oh, they play and they show like old timey films and stuff. It's oh, cool. I would love to go yeah. for sure. Um, so Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out in two thousand one. Directed by Chris Chris Columbus. I keep going to call him Christopher Columbus. <laughs> yeah. But he is known as Chris Columbus. Um, and he also directs um, Chamber of Secrets as well, the next movie. Um, but getting these films made actually changed a lot of child labor laws in the UK. Yeah, they had to uh, they had to make some changes just because so much of the cast were young. I mean, and I think even the actors were actually 11 years old at the time, right? They were pretty much right at that age. Yeah. Daniel Radcliffe is our age. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Filming, probably filmed in 2000. So, yeah, he was only 11. Yeah. He's a little guy. Um, so, they added a um, small number of working hours per week to ac- accommodate kids as well as making the timing of onset classes more flexible. Um, and I love that we looked up Chris Columbus and what he had done before um, signing on to Harry Potter. And his movies were very kid-friendly. Yeah, he did the first two Home Alone movies. Uh, he wrote The Goonies. Um, mm-hmm. Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, yeah, as we were going through the list, I didn't realize like how much of a childhood icon Chris Columbus was for me. I know. You were like, is Chris Columbus my favorite director? <laughs> yeah, he might be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's it just made more and more sense that this 
guy clearly knows how to work with kids. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're, when you're directing Harry Potter, you have to. Right, and it was such, like, when it when they first announced they were going to make movies, the, I mean, it wasn't like the, the global phenomenon that it ended up being, but there was still a lot of pressure because the books were insanely popular already at that time. Mm-hmm. And... They, you know, you wanted to get it right. They were putting a lot of money into these movies. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, the first Lord of the Rings film came out that year as well. That sounds right. 2001, Fellowship of the Ring? I think so. Yeah. I know Return of the King, the last one was 2004. Yeah. So 2001 sounds about right for the first one. Yeah. So you have these two, <laughs> these two um, series being adapted into films at the same time, coming out at the same time. Um, and... Um, Ian McKellen was actually approached to play Dumbledore originally, oh. um, but he at the time was already Magneto, yeah. and already and Gandalf. Gandalf, and he's like, dude, I can't do everything. <laughs> yeah, he would have had the Holy Trinity down, right? And he <laughs> absolutely would crush it. Let's. Oh be. yeah, absolutely. Ian McKellen's great. Yeah, but um, we went with Richard Harris yeah. to start for for Dumbledore and then uh, he sadly passed away yeah and then went with Michael Gambon who mm-hmm. I think they both were really great in, in their own way I like I, I, if we're talking purely I mean it's unfortunate that Richard Harris we didn't get to see what he would have done with the character over yes. more movies but I think Michael Gambon was amazing yeah I mean thinking about what Dumbledore's role turns into I don't know if Richard, you can't say, but seeing hit Richard Harris as Dumbledore in the first two movies, it's hard to see him change into... Right, but I also think that maybe they were just playing it that way, that Dumbledore seemed a little frailer at first. Because like, yeah. like, as the books go, you find out more about Dumbledore and more of like what an actual badass he is. Right. And so it might have just been that Richard Harris was playing it that way, that he was like supposed kind of un- unassuming. Yeah. Who knows? Or Richard Harris was also not well at the time. I hope that wasn't why. Yeah. But, well, yeah, we'll never know, sadly. Yeah, we'll never know. Um, But the first Harry Potter movie... I I think it's one of my favorite... I mean, my favorite is Azkaban, but I think number one might actually be my second favorite, just because... Of all the the movies. Yeah, I think I just like the intro to, like, there's, like, all the world building that they do in the beginning, like, explaining how things work, and, like, everyone, you're seeing it for the first time. Like, I remember seeing it, like, the interpretation of what happened in the books and being like, oh, wow, they really... They really nailed nailed it. it. They really nailed it. Like, the look of it, and, like, Diagon Alley, and the first time he rides up the broom, like, shopping for the wand, like, all those scenes that were like kind of just setting it up you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and like walking into Hogwarts for the first time like like those like when I think back on all the movies those are like a lot of the scenes that I remember as like the most impactful scenes are from book or from the first movie yeah totally understandable the world building they do in the first movie is important to set up everything that comes after it and they they nailed it I mean, I remember reading the book and wondering how they were going to get how Voldemort looking on the back of Professor Quirrell's head. Yeah. As a eleven or twelve year old, when I read the book, like, what I'm about to see this movie, like, what is that going to look like? And yeah, I mean, they crushed it. The the CGI, I think, still holds up pretty well. Yeah, yeah, especially that scene with Voldemort in the back. I mean, that face on the back of the head 
like, I don't know, maybe it doesn't look amazing, but, like, when he turns into dust or whatever at the end, that still looks pretty good. Yep. And Fluffy the Three-Headed Dog still looks pretty good, I think. Pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah. The know. 2000 CGI. Yeah. The Quidditch scene. Like, everything kind of holds yep. up. Quidditch definitely holds up very well still. Um, Emma, let's talk about the acting. Yeah, well, yeah, none of the kids all had left a little bit to be desired in these early movies, I'll say. Um, but I, like, maybe we're being too harsh. They were 11. Yeah, but, I I think the kids are pretty good. Yeah, okay. I, I do. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I've I, seen some I bad fully, child I acting. fully admit that I'm being a little harsh. Yeah. But uh, I know that there, there, there are stories like Emma Watson. And you can, you I can think see you, it. You can see it in some scenes in the movie. Emma Watson, like, knowing... She didn't know just her lines. She had to memorize the entire script. And so you can see her, like, mouthing other people's lines mm-hmm. while she's part of a scene. Mm-hmm. Um like little things like that. I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't have picked up on that probably unless I knew that. Like I had read that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. There were like little cheesy moments. I can't remember anything specific off the top of my head. But like little times, especially with Daniel Radcliffe, where I'm like, "Come on, dude." <laughs> like I know you're 11, but like, come on, get it together. Turn it on a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I I think I think they did great. Um, as kids. Yeah. You have John Williams doing the score. Legend. Legend. Yeah. Hedwig's theme is iconic now. Yeah, absolutely iconic. And uh, I believe he was nominated for an Oscar for it, for the first movie. He was. Um, Sorcerer's Stone was Academy Awards, nominated for art direction, costume, and original score. Yeah. Um, Fun fact about the score is that Chris Columbus directed the first movie, and John Williams did the score. Chris Columbus also directed Home Alone 1, and John Williams did the score for that. And you can actually hear, like, the beginnings of Hedwig's theme at times in Home Alone. Like, he was That's like so he cool. had the idea kind of floating around, and then be, later on it became fully fleshed out and became the Harry Potter theme. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched Home Alone in a really long time. I, I always watch it around Christmas. Yeah. I think I did watch it this year. Yeah. And Sorcerer's Stone, honestly, the first Harry Potter movie, I think... It's a Christmas movie. It is a little bit of a Christmas movie. There's that, like, it's like Harry's first happy Christmas ever. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I And I think ABC Family, which is now Freeform, I still call it ABC Family. Yeah, it used to be Fox Family before that. Used to be that. Fox Family before that. They play um, Harry Potter around Christmas. Like, yeah. it's a thing. There's Christmas scenes in almost every one of those movies. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um... So yeah, Sorcerer's Stone sets up the world. It's a very family-friendly movie. It gets dark at the at the end with the quarrel and yeah, sort of. But yeah, I mean the real darkest thing that happens is like Ron falling off a horse, like in the chess match. Like, it's like yeah, like that's like which the scariest moment, which apparently knocks him out completely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was a decent fall onto some rocks. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, he gets knocked out completely. That's a little, you know. They just Reparo him. Yeah, Reparo, exactly. <laughs> um, and we could also go into more and more about how Ron and Harry would have died without Hermione. Let's yeah. be honest. Well, all three of them in that one, they, they, there's even a part where they, the three of them mention it, where like, oh, well, Hermione was there to get them through the, the. Whatever the plant is that they get stuck in. Um, yeah, I'm blanking on the name. Devil's Snare. Yes. And, memory. Yeah. Then, so she helps them get through that. Ron helps them get through the chest. And then Harry gets the key. So they all help in their own way. Yes. They all would have died without the other ones. That's true. But as the movies go on, 
Hermione plays more and more of a... Yeah. Like, you guys would be dead without me. Yeah, Hermione is not, like, especially in the movies, Hermione's not just the brains. Like, she ends up being, like, the emotional support for both of them, too, at times. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's the line where she says, um, we're not in this movie. It might be in um, number six. Um, you guys have the emotional range of a teaspoon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, we'll, we'll get into that as we get closer to Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire when they turn into teenagers and yeah. emotions run high. <laughs> but yeah, um, Sorcerer's Stone sets up the world pretty um pretty well um it looks amazing it still holds up and then you get into chamber of secrets Mm -hmm. also directed by chris columbus still yeah continuity yep um i think that was probably smart to have the same director for the first two and like really get like a get a rhythm going it's gonna be a big series yeah the movies were released a year apart um so one after the other and this movie you get dobby yeah, who I think didn't get the greatest treatment in the movies. Like, I, like well, that's more in the later movies because there's like a whole elf storyline yes, that gets cut. But, that gets cut big time. Um, but Dobby still ended up being a fan favorite. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so you get you get Dobby showing up and trying to protect Harry Potter from not going back to Hogwarts. Right, and then Daniel Radcliffe grew up and looks like Dobby. He doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he does a little he bit. He doesn't. You think Daniel Radcliffe looks like a gremlin. Mm. He doesn't. Okay. If anything, Elijah Wood grew up to look more like a gremlin to me. Okay. Well, I think the fact that you jumped to Elijah Wood is strange. He has nothing to do with Harry Potter. People often say that D-Rad and Elijah Wood look alike. Okay. Just, just saying. <laughs> just saying. Um, yeah, so second, second movie is still pretty... Family friendly. Yeah, I mean, it starts to get a little darker, but that's that's just how you know Chamber of Secrets was. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought it was strange. Like we had a we had a whole debate the other day when we were watching about plumbing at Hogwarts. Yes. Like what? Because it obviously didn't always have plumbing. It's been around forever. But yeah. it, But the secret entrance to the Chamber of Secrets is in a bathroom. So behind right. a sink, like that clearly was built with a sink yes. as the entrance. So. Yes. So I think J.K. Rowling came out actually a couple of years ago and confirmed that wizards, there never used to be plumbing at Hogwarts and wizards would just go anywhere, where, wherever, wherever they, they wanted and, you know, use their magic and make, make their... Just disappear it. Yeah. Make their poop disappear. <laughs> and then they decided to install right. plumbing. Yeah, which plumbing is like for some reason plumbing was a better system than just magicking it away. Like, I don't know what. I, I, like, I what was the motivation? I don't know. Like somebody found the chamber of secrets and they were like, "We better cover this up with a sink." So let's yeah. put plumbing everywhere now. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I can't think of why. Why do they even need a bathroom? Yeah, that was a plot hole. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. Um, and like bathrooms come up a lot, like. In the Goblet of Fire, Harry takes a bath in one of the bathrooms. And... Yeah, they have like a bathroom. They have like a whole, like a bathhouse. Yeah. And they have, I mean, the troll goes in the bathroom in book one or some movie one. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like once they decided to install plumbing, like the wizards really took to it. Yeah. They're like, if you guys have any kind of weird, crazy emotional scenes or like story building scenes in your life, you should do it in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> like what? So, um... Yeah, what what are your overall thoughts on on Chamber of Secrets? I I I see it 
as like very similar to Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, in I terms think the, of tone. Yeah, and... I think the first two really. I mean, and a lot of that's probably because they had the same director. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also worth noting that the screenplay was by the same guy for all the first four movies. Um, yes. Think, yeah, his name's escaping me right now. I know we looked it up. A lot. Yes. It is Steve Close. Right. Yes. The screenplay is uh, is by Steve Close for the, all the four, all the first four movies. So mm-hmm. that may contribute to tone. Although there was a pretty big tone shift from two to three. Different uh, director. Different director. So yeah. So maybe the director. I, I well, I guess that's that's not really a hot opinion that the director has more of a more of a say on the tone of the movie than the screenplay <laughs> writer. But um, they they work hand in hand. Yeah. 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 Um. um you, we first see. More of Ginny Weasley in right. Chamber of Secrets. Um, she is unfortunately a a pawn in the in the whole. Yeah, in the kind of Voldemort plan, Malfoy. Yep. Like trickery. Yep. Um, and like that, I wonder if like it's hard for me to say like how effective like that reveal is at the end that it's like Voldemort's notebook because I obviously had read the book and I knew like I wonder like there was right. a lot of people that like had that revealed like oh my god yeah I don't know what that's like, was like. that a shocking reveal I don't know Maybe. I, I I don't know because like you said I also had read the book before seeing the movie I would say yes right like mm-hmm. if you hadn't read the book that's a pretty shocking reveal yeah also the fact that Tom Marvolo Riddle uh, is an anagram for I am Lord Voldemort yes like, is that how he came up with the name? Because if so, that's not really a great way to come up with your evil name. I th- really? <laughs> I don't think so. I am Lord Voldemort. Like, I don't. I th- <laughs> I thought it was pretty clever. So like when he became like an evil guy yeah. and was like, I need a new name. He was like, Oh wait, let me see if I can switch around the letters in my own. Yeah. Name. And it doesn't actually come up with a name. It comes up with a full sentence. I am. Like, okay. So like he was real. I think he was really reaching. Like he couldn't come up with a name that used all of his letters. And he was like, Oh, what if I take get rid of this I and the A and the M? Yeah. And, like I do I am, and then I can like really come up with something good. And, like it like, seems like it was a stretch. Well, I think the thought that went into it and like taking your current name and jumbling up the letters. Yeah, and also, like, I don't know. It just didn't seem believable to me. <laughs> Not that it really needs to be believable, but, like, you're also leaving breadcrumbs for people to figure out who you are, like. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, I... It just doesn't seem like the best evil plan to me. So J.K. Rowling must have known that from the beginning, right? Right. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Like, this guy's going to be named Tom Riddle. Or, like, does she have... Lord Voldemort first, and she was like... uh, Or she had Voldemort and Tom Riddle, and she was like, wait a minute, what if I come up with a weird way? She was like, well, that like Tom Riddle doesn't rearrange into Voldemort, so I'll have to come up with a whole bunch of other crap so that it does. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how often do we get... I'll add a weird middle name, Marvolo, so that it fits, and there's a V in there. I mean, how often do we get the origin of a villain's name? And stories. It's like, that's just their name, you know? Yeah. So I think it was an interesting choice that she was like, we'll explain why. I don't know. I didn't buy it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, it's okay. You don't have to buy into everything. Yeah. Um, I thought the Basilisk is, is like a cool, that was like a cool storytelling like device. 
like mm-hmm. frozen frozen kids and like kind of like brought up the creepy factor in Harry Potter a little bit. Yeah, the use of um, mirrors, mm-hmm. Hermione, right? Mm-hmm. That was cool to not look directly at the right. And Harry and Ron have to learn early on in their Hogwarts careers to survive without Hermione. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, she's the one that solved it anyway. Yeah, well. with a piece of paper in her hand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so like I said, I feel like Chamber and Sorcerer are like two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Pretty similar tone. Um, and then you get to Prisoner of Azkaban and I feel like things start to slowly get more darker. Yeah. Azkaban, I said earlier, Azkaban is my favorite of all the movies. Um, I just like the dark tone. I like the, like the, the time travel story where you kind of see things unfold the first time and then you, they go through again. With and the you time see, turner. Yeah, the time turner. Like, although time travel I usually think is gimmicky, but like it was well done here. Mm-hmm. And there were kind of rules about like don't run into yourself, you can only go back so far. and yeah. um, So I remember that being really cool, like kind of seeing how like the first, like it's actually really cool watching it the second time, right, where you see the, like they throw the rock and like, you, like the first time you watch it, you're like, oh, I didn't even realize... Like the rock, like that, the, like the fact that a rock was thrown and that's what got their attention, like that didn't even register to me. And then later you see her throw the rock and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is kind of confusing to me actually when I really sit and think about it. So they're, they're living the first time around, they're doing their thing, but what happens, what is going to happen when they do the time turner stuff has already happened. Like that rock being thrown. Yeah. Like, if I really stop and think about it, it, it hurts my brain. It's time travel. No. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. Azkaban came out in 2004. Yes. We were 15. Yep. And, yeah, that's the first time, that, like, that that movie was the first time where I remember being like, okay, Hermione, like, like we're starting to grow up here. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you were like, Emma Watson is... Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cute. I don't think yeah. you were the only the no, only one to think that. Definitely not. And you know, when she punches Draco in the face, I was like, punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I didn't well, okay. Uh when I was a little twelve year old watching Sorcerer's Stone for the first time, I thought Oliver Wood was so cute. Ooh. Yeah. He was. So like the jock Scottish, types. That Scottish accent and he was just very cute. Um, but I think that's the only Harry Potter character until we get to Cedric Diggory, which we'll get to. Right. Well, which I always think is, which uh, one thing that I noticed from, from book or from movie, I keep saying book, but from movie one to movie two. Yeah. Um, how much Tom Felton. Tom Felton was a, was a baby in movie one and then in movie two he's like a full grown man. Yeah. Yeah. Puberty <laughs> hit him. Fast and hard. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with um, Rupert Grint, though. Yeah. Yeah. His voice drops. His voice really. drops, but I also don't think he looks that different as he gets older. Like, he's like he's just very distinct. Yeah. I guess that's fair. Um, but yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban, <clears throat> they're, they're teenagers now. Emotions are starting to run a little high. Um, you have the moment... Where, um, like, Ron, Ron and Hermione, like, like hold hands very quickly. And, like, oh. And, like, stop. You're, like, oh, yeah. it's yeah, the beginning of something. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have Hagrid, um, Care of Magical Creatures class. And just, like, yeah. putting everybody in danger with Buckbeak. Hagrid's so pure. 
He's so pure. <laughs> he's he's so simple. And yeah. <laughs> watching him be a professor for the first time and really wanting to do a good job and asking Harry if he's doing okay his first day is really sweet. Yeah. One thing I remember, I noted when we were watching it the other day is that when, when uh, Buckbeak attacks Draco <laughs> and like... Hagrid is reacting appropriately to the situation. He's like, let me see. Oh, it's just a scratch. Like, let me let me, yeah. let me check you out. And then Hermione, like, from left field comes and she's like, Hagrid, take him to the hospital. <laughs> and it's like, all right, like, calm down, dude. I was getting uh, there. Yeah, like, you're making this into a way bigger deal than it needs to be, you know it all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be honest. I love Hermione, but she, she is a, a know-it-all. Yeah. And she sometimes... Yeah. Gets a little. Like, she gets right, out of like, line. Like, all right, mom, I'm a teacher. Yeah. Like, back I got off. this. Chill. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, this is the movie where Harry gets a fam, like a bit of a family for the first time. Right. Sirius Black, which was also a really well done. I mean, it was well done in the book too, but like they adapted it very well. Like the not knowing what the truth was about Sirius Black and. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought just very well done, that reveal in the Shrieking Shack. Which again, I remember reading the book and finding out that Peter Pettigrew is actually Scabbers, which Mm -hmm. if you think about it, that whole thing is so problematic. Right. That this grown man has been living as a rat with Ron and his family for 12 years, just... Yeah. Seeing everything that Ron sitting on laps, sitting on laps, (laughs) watching Ron get changed. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdo. Weird. They don't. They don't address that. No, they don't. And even in Prisoner of Azkaban, there's a part where like the rat bites him. Yeah. To, like, and he's like, "Oh, he bit me. What the hell?" And it's like, "Yeah, you just got bit by a fucking fugitive." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might have rabies. Yeah. 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 Worse. Who knows what this guy's carrying? Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Harry gets family um, with his god godfather and Sirius. Um, Lupin is my favorite defense against the dark arts yeah, teacher. Yeah, he's like that... the best. Well, aside from maybe McGonagall, he's like the best teacher Harry had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love Lupin. And yeah, Prisoner is your favorite one. It's my favorite one. It has the Marauder's Map, which was like my dream as a kid. I was like, I need that. Like if I'm going to get one thing out of the Harry Potter universe, I want a Marauder's Map. Yeah. I just want to be able to spy and see what people are doing and like be able to sneak around. Yeah. And... It's so cool. Um, I'm trying to think of Harry Potter. I mean, I've always wanted to be able to fly. So, like, brooms. Yeah. That would be cool. I mean, aside from, like, having a wand, right? Like, if you're, like, yeah. wand, you know, because you got to, like, if, if you're going to have any of that stuff, the wand basically comes with it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the Marauder's Map was always, like, my favorite Harry Potter gadget. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of anything else, like, Azkaban that really, like, stuck out to me. It felt like, oh, Harry Potter just being horrible with the invisibility cloak. Oh, yeah. Like, like, like you have an invisibility cloak. When you're walking around, like, the one thing you really shouldn't do is leave footprints everywhere and bump into people. Like, Fo- which he does, he does constantly. Yep. Yeah. Footprints in the snow. Barges through, like, a group of, like, people. Car- like carolers. Carolers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He does use it um, in a pretty fun way when he uh, pranks Draco and... Yeah. Calvin Goyle, near yeah. the Shrieking Shack. Yeah. yeah, that was good. But then, and then there's another time where he's sneaking around with the Marauder's Map, like where you definitely would want to have an invisibility cloak, and he doesn't even bring it, and like immediately gets caught by two teachers. Yeah, Snape. Yeah, Snape like you have it. an invisibility cloak, dude. Like learn how to use it here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 
amateur. <laughs> he really is an amateur. I know. And at that time, you're like, you know, he's 14 or something in that movie. Like, get it together, dude. Or yeah. 15. Yeah, he's had the cloak for a little yeah. bit. You've got enough of a brain formed in there. You're not like a child anymore. Yeah. Use your brain, Harry. <laughs> you are. He is a child at 13, but yeah. But, you know, still. You're a wizard. Mm-hmm. Figure this out. Um... Yeah. Prisoner. Tone changes a little bit. Yeah, it definitely gets darker. Werewolves. Yep. You have a different uh, director. Yeah, Alfonso Cuaron. Yep. And clearly he was like, let's make Harry Potter, but no lights. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. darker tone, but literally. Literally, <laughs> literally darker. Like, you're not going to be able to see anything. Yeah. Alfonso, um, if you don't know, directed Gravity mm-hmm. and Roma, mm-hmm. which were both Oscar- yeah, nominated. and those were both afterwards, but yes. beforehand, he, he wasn't really a huge name before that. Um, he did Itumama Tambien, which was like, that was his big, mm-hmm. I guess his biggest movie at the time. It was nominated for some award, I think, screenplay, mm-hmm. but um, didn't win. But yeah, I remember I, I remember hearing about that movie in the 90s, right? I don't think I ever saw it, but... Yeah, um, me either. That was his claim to fame before he got hired for this one. I, th- I'm, I don't know what the reaction was at the time. But I have to imagine it was a controversial choice because Chris Columbus did a good, you know, by all accounts did a good job with the first two. Yeah. I, I don't know what the decision was. Yeah. If it was the studio who was like, Chris, we want to... Or maybe that was always the plan. Who knows? Yeah. Like to go with a different director eventually. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but definitely a tone change and you get a little bit more CGI Mm-hmm. visual effects and um it shows um in the nominations because Azkaban was the first uh Harry Potter movie to be nominated at the Oscars for visual effects. Yeah, well there's the werewolf, there's the dementors, the whomping willow. Yeah. Um, um and obviously the transformation of Scabbers into Peter Pettigrew oh, and yeah, yeah. back and forth with that. Um but yeah, you see dementors for the first time. So talk about um, tone change. You have these dark creatures that usually guard Azkaban coming and guarding Hogwarts and they end up really affecting Harry. And the idea that these creatures feed off your sadness and the worst things that have happened to you. Yeah, I always thought that the Patronus was like a weird... Spe- like, not, like, I. I guess luck of the draw, like, that happened to be Harry's strongest spell. <laughs> but, like, it's kind of useless of, other than against the mentors. As far as, I, as far as I know. Yeah, as far as we know. It's like, oh, great. You, like, what's your, what's your strongest spell? What are you really good at? Like, oh, I can do a really awesome Patronus. They're like, oh, great, but there's no Dementors, so that's fucking useless. And Expelliarmus. Yeah, yeah, he's got a dope Expelliarmus. Yeah, yeah very powerful there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Azkaban, your favorite, and then we get into Goblet of Fire, mm-hmm. which is my favorite book. And we're not talking about the books. I don't know what my favorite book is. Yeah. I'd have to think about that, but definitely Azkaban's my favorite movie. The movie came out, Goblet of Fire came out in 2005, so a year after Azkaban. And reading this, and we're, we're not talking too much about the books. It was the longest book at the time that I had ever read. This book, it was over 700 pages. And I think I read it, I think Goblet of Fire, the book off the top of my head, came out when I was 13, I think. No, I, don't, I don't remember. Um, over 700 pages. And 
I remember finding out when Cedric Diggory dies. It's the first student you read about, like, current student at Hogwarts that dies. Yeah, it's, like, the first major, like, real death, right? Like, does anybody, in the, I mean, in the books, I don't remember, but in the movies, like, nobody really dies. No. Coral. Well, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, like, this is a student, like, a loved student, and he dies. Um, it's a, it's a huge shift in Harry Potter, and I think it's, it's a good, it's good that we split these specials, the first four movies, into the next. Yeah, it's like the... Voldemort is back. Voldemort is back. So, like, the first four movies is, like, uh, you're living in the post-Voldemort world, and then all of a sudden, in the last four, it's like, oh, wait a minute, not really. Yeah, exactly. Um... So, Goblet of Fire, directed by uh, Mike Newell, I believe. Yeah, Mike Newell. And he was kind of uh, another guy that hadn't done a whole lot beforehand. Yeah, uh, Donnie Brasco. Yeah, which actually, a lot of people love Donnie Brasco. So, so I don't want to say he didn't do anything. He did Donnie Brasco. Yeah. Um, He did... uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yes, yes. Great. I mean, great movie, but... um, you know, Chris Columbus, you're like, oh, he, he worked with kids before. Um, I get it. But Mike Newell, I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah, have I mean, direct Harry Potter. Far on, too, for like yeah. three. It's like kind of like weird choices, but I mean, I think they both did good jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Goblet of Fire, you just have more, um, I feel like you have more just things going on in the Wizarding World. So you have the Triwizard Tournament is happening. They have the uh, ball that goes along with that. Right. Yeah. The, the Quidditch World Cup in the beginning. Quidditch World Cup in the beginning. You have more relationships happening. Like yeah, the, the, the kids are they're emotions. now they're now teenagers. They're like fourteen, right, or fifteen in this one now. Yeah, you're fo- so like fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, they're all horny. Yeah, just hormones. All yeah. Over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, and you have. Future Batman, uh, Robert Pattinson, yeah. as Cedric Diggory. Um, yeah, and this thing happens where Harry's name mysteriously ends up in the Triwizard Tournament. Right. There's like a ton, there's so many opportunities for people to realize that there's like a dark plot happening here, but they just keep plowing ahead. They're like, oh, sorry, I guess we don't have a choice. I guess you're in. Yeah. And like, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and and you have like you think they would have stricter vetting for the people that come in as defense against the dark arts teachers. Yeah. Like you literally have somebody polyjuice potioning and posturing as somebody else. Well, even Mad Eye Moody, if it wasn't a polyjuice, is a kind of a questionable choice. He's kind of like an insane person. Yeah, he's like, even legend and catching like dark wizards and yeah. So okay, so qualified, sure. That doesn't make him a good teacher. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean we could go on and on about the the questionable practices in Hogwarts for <laughs> yeah. like student safety and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So you have Mad Eye Moody coming in, really Barty Crouch Jr. David Tennant. David Tennant, um, just chugging Polyjuice potion on the regular. And Snape's like, somebody's been stealing all my ingredients for polyjuice. Somebody's been stealing my stuff. <laughs> it's a good alligator. Right? Not bad. Yeah, and of course he thinks it's Harry because yeah. he hates him, so. Yeah, I like that Snape has his like own way of saying like all the spells. It was like slightly different than everybody. Yeah. He's got his own little like Snape accent. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Her 
Paliamas. <laughs> Alan Rickman was just perfect. Uh, he really was, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I love Goblet of Fire. Is my favorite book. It's the turning point in the series. Voldemort comes back, and as a movie, I think. I mean, it, it's, they're all great. Yeah, they're all great. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, you have the funny moments with the teenage relationships with uh, Ron and Hermione. Just clearly love each other. Right, Ron and Hermione. You've got Hermione and Crumb. You've got yeah. Flor Delacour, like just making all the boys horny, basically. Yeah. Yep, Cedric making all the girls horny. Yeah. Um, Cho Chang getting in there. Yep, Harry likes Cho Chang, but Cho Chang is with Cedric. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, You get the Triwizard Tournament, and obviously it culminates with, um, in the graveyard scene, Cedric getting killed. Hmm. Um, Avada Kedavra just dead. Yeah, it's real, real uh, anticlimactic as far as his death. Yeah, like, yeah. He doesn't even get to put up a fight. No, and not at all. <laughs> yeah, not at all. You think for somebody who was chosen to be, and I'm not trying to like you know, no, uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to criticize the dead here, <laughs> uh-huh. but I am going to. Uh-huh. Uh, like you think for somebody who was chosen to be in the Triwizard Tournament, and by all accounts probably would have won it, yeah. if not for Harry, that he would have at least been able to like, you know, block one spell. Yeah. Well, the way they shoot it in the movie, it's he's like far back from Harry, so I don't think he really. Voldemort even is like kill the boy, like then we'll get Potter, and I'm gonna explain my whole plan. Maybe maybe Cedric's just standing there waiting to be killed the entire time. Yeah, maybe Cedric couldn't hear what was going on. He's like, "What, Harry?" Like, (laughs) no, the whole time he's like, "Harry, the, the the." the cup support key. Yeah, oh my god, I'm totally shell-shocked from that. This is a I can't key. keep my composure at all. I don't know how yeah. I made it into the Triwizard <laughs> Tournament. And Harry's like, Cedric, you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's just, he's dead. Yeah, and... Cedric, duck, do anything, please. Yeah. Like, just don't stand there and let the killing curse kill you. Yeah, he was just so he's amazed like, by the I'm key. gonna just die, actually. Yeah. I'm gonna rather just stand here. So he gets killed. Um... <laughs> Sorry, Cedric fans. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad. It happened a long time ago, so I've recovered. <laughs> so that's why I'm so casually yeah. talking about it. Yeah. I do think, though, like, performance of the movie, Cedric's dad at the very end. Oh, my boy. Yeah. That's my boy. If anybody's on Twitter and has, has seen the meme that's been going around with, um, it's like Cedric Diggory dies and it's like an image of Cedric Diggory dead. It's like the Hogwarts band and it's Ross playing bagpipes from Friends. And when you go back and watch the movie, Harry Portkey's back with Cedric's body in the middle of the, the Hogwarts Quidditch field or whatever. And the Hogwarts band just comes in, just celebratory music that goes on a little too long. Yeah, like people are screaming and realizing there's a dead yeah. person and the band is just thumping away. Thump, like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's very inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Cedric's Cedric's dad. It, that's an emotional performance. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that. I don't. I can't off the top of my head say who played him, but I feel like I know that person's face. Yeah. The actor who played Cedric's dad. I'll have to look him up later. Yeah. See who he is. Um, yeah, and that's um, that's it's it sets the tone for what's to come next in Harry Potter. Right now, shit's real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll talk about it in the next episode. People don't. People have a hard time believing and admitting that Baltimore is back, and that causes a huge problem. Right. Yeah, but uh, but he is. Certainly. Yeah. So, 
that's all four movies. Do we want to take a guess on like how they're rated? What do you uh, think? Rotten yeah, Tomatoes I have no wise? idea. I feel like it's probably lower than what... Like, if I was to give a rating, I'd probably naturally give a higher rating. Mm-hmm. The question is, what do I think they are? Like, what would I give yeah. them? Um, Let's do that. Because, like, I think so much of why I love those movies is, like, a nostalgic... It's, like, nostalgic because I love Harry Potter and, like, you know, it was, like, a perfect time in my childhood. So I, I, would, I feel like we probably think high, more highly hundreds, of those movies. Hundreds across the board. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um... I'm going to say that number one is... So you're going to guess the Rotten Tomato rating, not rate it yourself. Yeah, I'm going to guess the rating. Okay. Guess the actual rating. I'm going to say it's 86. I'm going to guess 84. Okay. All right, let's see. 81. Oh, okay. Audience rating is 82. I'm happy with those guesses that we made, though. Yeah. Chamber, see, I think... I think it's going to be lower. Really? Yeah, 70, I'm going to go 78. And why do you think it's lower? Um, because of kind of what we said earlier. It just feels like a... More of the same. It flows, like, yeah. yeah. Movie one kind of flows into that. And then, like, because the tone shifts for three was, like, such a difference. Like, there's definitely more of an identity with, like, three and four. That's and fair. two doesn't really have an identity. I'm going to give it a flat 80. Okay. Okay. What did I say, 78? Yeah. 82. Wow. It's one point higher, but a lower audience score. 80. Okay. Prisoner. Definitely Through higher. the roof. My favorite movie. <laughs> one hundo. Uh, I'm going to say high 80s, probably, is what the actual score is. I'm going to get... I'm maybe gonna, low 90s. Maybe low 90s. I was going to say low 90s. I'm going to give it a 91. Yeah. I think it being my favorite, I don't think that's a hot take. I think a lot of people like Azkaban. Oh, ab- yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I know many people that consider it their favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, mo- my mother-in-law loves Azkaban because it's the first time Harry gets a family. Just such a mom thing to say. Yeah. So sweet. Um, I'm going to say 91 for Prisoner. Okay. What did I say? I don't remember. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say 92. Okay. One dollar, Bob. 90. Oh, there you go. 86 audience. Oh, so audience. the highest audience. Get it together, audience. Okay. It deserves more. <laughs> Goblet. I think Goblet should be so high. But it's probably... I think it's going to be close to what Azkaban is. Like 90, 91. I'm going to give it 93. 88. Ooh, a little dip. 74 audience. Wow. I'm going to say audience is the lowest we've seen because people are just are just mad that Cedric dies. <laughs> okay, sure. Like, they don't know. And they're like, oh, why'd they kill that guy? Mm-hmm. I loved him. So, yeah. All right. I think those are fair scores, really. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not mad about any of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like one of those, like, like, like one particular Harry Potter movie just got completely trashed. Yeah, no. On Tomatoes. No. <laughs> um... Can you imagine if, so Goblet came out in what, 2005? So we didn't have, people weren't using Twitter yet. People weren't really using Facebook. There wasn't I don't Instagram. think Twitter even existed yet. Didn't exist yet. Facebook was like just starting. Can you imagine if they did exist? Like I'm just thinking of the ways like Star Wars is absolutely trashed now yeah. on social media. The, and thing, the, 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 the prequels though that came out before that and around that time were also got, also got trashed. Yeah, but not there's no social, which just makes the trash that much louder. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure certain things would have been would have been trashed. I think a lot of like especially with adaptations like that, they get trashed because of things they left out or things they changed. Like that's typical. There's no way to avoid that because there's some there's always going to be people that think you should be as as like true to, to the, the book as yes. you possibly can be. Right. Um so yeah, that would that would have been amplified, I'm sure. But there's also a lot of good stuff that might have been amplified. Oh, definitely. I I mean, I wish that the the elves and the um and I'm blanking on the name, but the like the club Hermione sets up for like the fair treatment. Of yeah, elves. yeah, yeah. I always thought that was a cool storyline. I wish that was in the books. And then I I believe Hermione and Ron become prefects. That's totally yeah. left out of the movies. And isn't it isn't it the the reason you have a hard time remembering the name of the club is because it's Elf. It's the Elf Elf Liberation Front ELF. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I always liked that little yeah storyline. I just like the Malfoys getting what's coming to him. Yeah. Like when he like the secretly freeing Dobby at the end. Mm-hmm. Great scene. Great scene. Lucia, Lucius Malfoy. Um, is a great character that you love to hate. All and, and Draco as well. Yeah, I also that that was one thing about that movie that um, I don't think we talked about it when we were watching it this time. But like he starts in Avada Kedavra, he starts saying it right there. He's about to literally kill Harry in the halls of Hogwarts. Yeah. because he freed an elf. That's how pissed off he got over that. Yeah, yeah. Like Lucius is like he's a bad dude. Yeah, like, like you're gonna try and kill somebody over an elf. Yeah, a student <laughs> on the grounds of Hogwarts. Yeah. Like, damn my reputation, damn everything. Mm-hmm. I don't care about any of this. I'm killing this kid. Yeah, that was my elf. Yeah. <laughs> now I have to find a new elf. Yeah. Yeah, I have to hire new help. Poor me. Yeah. I had fun doing this episode. Yeah, I can't wait to do the next four. Harry Potter Part 2. Yeah. I hope, um, listeners, you, you enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think it's always nice and fun to look back on film films or film series that mean a lot to you it's it's a little feel good episode i feel like yeah so i hope you guys will join us for part two where we cover order of the phoenix um half blood prince and deathly hollows part one and part two mm-hmm. yeah so if you like what you heard here today please like and subscribe you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Friends Like Films, and you can also email us at friendslikefilms at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.